You are listening to the Daily Talks podcast where my mom, Dali, empowers parents like you with parenting tips. My mom's mission is to help parents make their child raising experience easier and more enjoyable by sharing valuable lessons to save in unnecessary struggles. The Daily Talks podcast is for any person already parenting or planning on parenting a child. Each week you'll hear different experts talk with my mom about important aspects of parenting, self-care, and of course her specialized area of bullying awareness and prevention. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and do so now wherever you may be listening. And don't forget to set up your alerts so that you don't miss any episodes. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Dali Talks podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about advocacy, specifically advocacy for your child at a school. There are so many parents out there who have no idea that they have a lot of power when it comes to, um, you know, speaking up for your child. In the Latinx community, or the Latino community, we see this a lot because in our countries, uh, the educators are kings. They are held up uh, on a pedestal. And it's rare to question them because they're trusted as the experts. And and it's not just with teachers. It's even with like doctors. Some people, they just go into the doctor and the doctor says, do this. And they're like, okay. And they don't even question it, which is, we know that that's wrong because you got to have answers um, about the suggestions that are being provided because it's your body, right? It's your life. So when it comes to education, um, Latinos do this a lot where the teacher says, oh, your child is misbehaving. They're like, oh, they are. And they believe them without giving your child a benefit of doubt. And when it comes to advocating for them, say in bullying situations, um, sometimes that happens where the parent will be like, oh, well, I was told that you did this and da, 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 you know, and then they don't look further into the situation. And if their child is the, the one who bullied another child, then they feel like, well, what can I ask for? I got nothing to ask for because my child did do this, even when the child admits to it. Right. But even then you have the right to advocate for your child, even if your child hurt another person, because the school is there to provide the resources to help your child thrive, whether they were the victim or whether the one they were the one bully, uh, exhibiting bullying behaviors. Just because a child hurts another child doesn't make them a bad person. Children make mistakes. They, you know, they make or choices sometimes, just like adults, right? And we all know people in our lives who have made poor choices and are still good people. I know that that's hard for a child to comprehend, even for some adults to comprehend. But just because somebody makes a mistake doesn't mean that you let them be and not do anything to help them not make that re- mistake again or, or not choose poorly in the future. So. I was speaking with Graciela Tiscareño Sato, who is uh, an author, and she's a big advocate for her own children as as well as others, actually. And um, she responded to a post um, that I published yesterday, which was yesterday was the 31st of March. And this post, you can find it. The cover on my Instagram feed is you can ask whether uh, you can ask whether you have kids uh, in school or not. That's that's what the cover title is. But if you tap onto it, you'll see a video that I responded to of a man who is telling 
the I think it's the school board uh, about his bullying experience and the one of the board members, the superintendent, um, was the one who bullied him when he was in school. And this man is now a grown man, probably in his 40s. And you can hear the pain in his voice as he recollects the event. And that superintendent, as a response, steps down as superintendent of that school district. Very powerful. Very unlikely to. And, uh, you know, sometimes these people that are holding some political seats, um, they're there because they want to make a change, but also because they love the power that those seats provide. I think that's one of the main problems in our political society today, that these people start off with a noble cause, and they get so wrapped up in the politics and the power that they lose sight of why they're really there. People don't understand that um, even the smallest political seat has power and that you as a member of society have every right to speak up. But the reality is that when you speak up alone, it is harder to be heard. But when you have friends accompanying you, uh, and speaking up with you, then you have even more power. And I wish our society everywhere in the United States would understand that. And this is not just something that works uh, when you do it in the masses um, here in the United States. It, this works anywhere in any part of the world, right? Where you you have an issue, you go before the rights committee or board or people, you state your grievance, and then you provide solutions. That is the key to getting the change that you want. You can't just go and make complaints. You have to know how to talk so that you're heard. Shouting, insulting, offending people gets you nowhere. People will completely dismiss everything that you're saying, even if it makes sense, if you're shouting, if you have a very defensive tone. So um, I was talking again with Graciela, and she's been an advocate for her child because her child was born with a hearing loss, and I believe also visual, like she, she cannot see. Um, and so she's had to be an advocate, and she feels that a lot of parents are doormats, as she said. You can see her comment in the post um, that I that I mentioned earlier of that man uh, addressing the superintendent. And, and, you know, I love Graciela. She means really well. But that, that statement about parents being doormats, um, I know that parents don't want to be doormats. No parent wants to be used, you know, that way. They don't want to be stepped on, but a lot of them are because they're afraid and also because they don't understand or know the power that they hold. So we are all taxpayers, whether you are here, documented or undocumented, um, whether you're naturally born here or naturalized, you 
are our, our taxpayers, right? And or at least should be taxpayers. And that's what pays our public education. That's why it is free. It's a social program, uh, a socialist-based program. Anything that we get for free comes from that idea of helping one another through our taxes. Just like our roads, right? <laughs> roads are free for the most part. <laughs> I know you have tolls here and there, whatever, but for the most part in the United States, roads are free because they're paid for by taxpayer money. So um, in the United States, we have an understanding that if you're a taxpayer, you have the right to ask the government, regardless of what level government, uh, how they're spending that money. And if there is a problem, you speak up, you point it out, and then you, you suggest the solutions. So as a parent with children or even without children at a school, you have the right to request a meeting with the leaders, send in an email, mail in a letter, or you know, set up a phone call with those leaders so that you can discuss what is concerning you. Um, when you see parent groups, uh, I think that the majority of the population sees parent groups such as PTA, you know, parent-teacher associations or PTOs, parent-teacher organizations. They see them as a, a social club and um, they refer to them as, you know, these moms that like to bake and you know have fundraisers baking cookies and brownies and it's very demeaning because uh first of all those cookies and brownies is what funds a lot of the books for your children a lot of people don't know that uh i was speaking to a school a prior a prior or retired school principal and she was telling me that in her school of uh, 1500 her operating budget for the entire school district was only 45 hundred uh, $45,000. Uh, my kids attended an elementary school of, I think it was about 2,000 kids, if I'm recalling correctly. And their budget their or their expenses just for printing materials they're at the school, you know, how teachers have assignments and they have to go make copies for the kids, for the whole classroom to have the worksheet to work on. Um, that was $21,000 and it was not even like, it wasn't even at the end of the school year. So $45,000 doesn't go far. And this, um, this is something that parents are unaware of. And they're unaware because they don't have the time to be involved. A lot of parents don't have the luxury to go volunteer at the schools, to go attend parent-teacher meetings sometimes, depending on their schedule and the type of job that they have. A lot of parents don't even have the opportunity to speak with other parents because of whatever they have going on in their lives, right? So no, it's not that parents like to be treated like doormats to be stepped on. It's that they don't have the luxury to be able to go to the school and inform themselves. And yes, I know that you might be saying, okay, well, you can't go to the school, but you certainly can send an email or use your lunchtime to call. But <clears throat> those parents that don't um, have awareness, uh, they also don't know that they're able to do that or that they have the right to contact the school leaders. 
So let's not judge our parents, please. Instead, let's educate them. If you are a parent leader and you know what it takes to advocate for anything that your students need at that school or that your parents need to help the students thrive, then please don't judge and instead educate parents. You know, I have always had a full-time job and I have my business. And one of the things that I've done is I become a parent volunteer that coordinates uh, events or like uh, say like volunteers. So for example, when my kids were in elementary school, I was a parent uh, volunteer coordinator because it was convenient to me to do it from home. I would get emails from the teachers and, uh, you know, email requests about what they needed. And like, I need, you know, a parent, three parents to volunteer for reading time with the kids that are behind. So I need five parents for this many kids. So I would go to my roster of volunteers and I would start calling the parents and ask them, ask them you know, hey, do you need help for, or can you help Mrs. So-and-so uh, for reading time at this time? It's only for a half hour or an hour. And it was a lot of work, but I was able to help. Uh, and I didn't know that that was possible until I began speaking with other teachers. A lot of teachers also told me that if you cannot volunteer in the classroom, um, but you're willing, willing to help, they can send certain materials home with their child for you, the parent, to help while you're watching your TV shows or you know have a little bit of free time. So I remember um, I, I did volunteer for that and my kids were, uh, they, they came home with a bag and the teachers in included everything. Let me tell you, they had scissors, tape, staplers, uh, the staple. Um, they had these laminated things that they were uh, needing help to like cut out and staple together because it was uh, going to be used for an activity with the kids. Um, and I cannot tell you how many times I helped with that. And it was just like, it was easy because I was just doing that while I was waiting on laundry to be done or watching something, you know, and the kids even helped. And then I would just send it back the next day. And that freed up so much of their time because teachers don't have a lot of time in the classroom to prep for the next day. And so a lot of them have to take their work home. Uh, but through that volunteer work from home, I learned that I could ask for the volunteer roster and reach out and connect the teachers to the to the parents. And just doing that allowed every parent that volunteered to have exposure to the school culture, to be able to talk to teachers and learn from them about what they needed. And once you learn about what teacher teachers need and what your students need, then you can start proposing ideas, especially when you're kind of seeing what exactly is working or not working in the classroom. All right, so I want to make sure that I'm explaining myself um, in regards to how you can take action. Remember that if you wanna find out who the leaders are in your school district, you can go to your school district website or you can simply ask one of the admins at your child's school. The other thing I really would like to 
put out there is that school districts have mandatory uh, uh, school board meetings. They're held typically once a month and um, anybody from the public is welcome to attend. If you have something to say, and I hope that you have something to say, uh, whether it's a compliment or maybe a grievance, um, you should look at their website, the school uh, district's website, and look for um, something related, you know, for wherever it is that they mention the school board meetings. If you're not sure where to look, call the school district or ask your school principal or, you know, anybody at the school to give you the link to where you can submit a request to address the school district. Usually you have a very short time to speak to them. You, they put you on a list. Uh, you have usually about five minutes tops. And they do this because if they don't put a limitation on, you know, how long you can speak to them, it can go on for hours. I mean, they're long as it is because it touch on different topics. Now, I want you to know that when you address the school district um, and you, you know, you, re you request something, they're not going to decide on that right there and then. Uh, usually they hear you out after the meeting, they take things into consideration you might have to go back and request an update, depending on what it is that you're asking, because sometimes they have to get approvals, they have to find money for whatever it is you're requesting, if it's something that requires funding. Um, they also might uh, reach out to you again to get more information or to help plan whatever it is that you requested. So I can't give you a blanket answer on this is what's going to happen because it really depends on that request. If you have a grievance, please make sure that you're very detailed on um, uh, what that is. If you have to provide an example, then try to make it clear and succinct, you know, not too elaborate because you only have five minutes. Just hit those uh, important points that you want them to be aware of or and provide the solutions. I always tell parents uh, or anybody addressing uh, a politician or a person holding a public seat that when you provide at least three solutions, uh, you're showing that you've thought it through and that you want to be part of the solution and that you're also helping because politicians are humans just like you and me. They don't have the answers to everything. They have access to more resources because of who they are, what seat they hold and, and who they're connected to. But even then they don't have all the answers. And what is most powerful is when they find a solution that comes from the community and then they implement it. That usually is what gets them elected. When people see, oh, I can go and tell the school board member uh, about an issue and they'll actually do something to help solve the problem, then that looks good on them, right? And that creates trust by the community and that results in re-election. Remember that these positions are political positions. Uh, school board members are a political position. A lot of people don't realize that. They do get paid, uh, but 
they do a lot of volunteer work. They don't get paid like very handsomely, like some other politicians at higher levels do, but you know, they're being paid by public funds, by taxpayer funds. So it is your job to make sure that as a taxpayer, you, you are getting the results that you want or that you are holding them accountable. Um, there are, there are so many things that I wish community members, not just parents, knew about the power of speaking up. Uh, I didn't know that, uh, you know, I didn't know a lot of this information until I started getting involved as a parent. And usually, you know, if something happens at your school that impacts you personally, that's when you truly get involved. And it's it's sad that that's what it takes, but that's a reality. I mean, I wouldn't have gotten involved so much had my child not been bullied when she was five. Uh, I was already involved in the sense of always going to, um, you know, meetings, and I became a member of a parent committee, which was super helpful and insightful. And that was just a small way of me getting involved because I wanted to make sure that I I could make a difference. And I've always been like that just because I actually, maybe because I was in the military and I saw the importance of getting involved into small little groups where you could speak up and, you know, share ideas and, you know, be part of something small. And here I am today uh, at a larger scale, you know, providing information like this to you, to other uh, people. And there's nothing to be scared of. I just want you to know that there is nothing to be scared of because, yeah, you're going to have some bullies that don't like being held accountable by, by the public. So the smart thing to do is to form an alliance with people who share your values and your ideas, who are going to back you, who are also going to speak up with you. And usually that's an easy thing to do by speaking to teachers, uh, some of the staff, some of the community members, your kids' um, parents, your kids, I mean, I'm sorry, your kids' uh, your kids's, uh, friends' parents um, have a conversation and tell them, hey, did you know that this is happening? How do you feel about it? Would you like to speak up with me? Would you like to back me on this? There's going to be a lot of no's because people get scared. Um, but until we show that speaking up is not something scary and you know until we show that change can be made then people will start backing you and taking on their own initiative their own cause um there's a big chance that this is going to take some time because again society is used to being complacent it's sad we see that at the national scale when it comes to voting I mean, you have countries where voting is mandatory. So, of course, everybody goes. Other countries where voting has been uh, an option that has not existed for people. So then when that option opens up, people show up in the masses. And then we live, we live here in the United States where voting for every single political seat is an option and it's open to everybody. Um, and people don't they don't exercise their right to vote, to speak up. 
And it's sad because it's really a missed opportunity to improve your communities, especially to improve the community for your children. The education system is not perfect. I mean, it's, in my opinion, not even good for the possibilities that the United, the United States can have. But it is definitely something that can be fixed, not overnight, but with the power of the people, of community members. So I urge you to please speak up, even if your children are not in school anymore. You are a taxpayer. You are paying for public education, whether your kids are receiving it or not. Even if you are homeschooling, you are paying taxes for those public schools in your area. And if something there at that school is bothering you because it's going to impact your children, your family, your quality of life, and your community, then please speak up. I, I can go on and on and on about this because I'm so passionate about it. And I've seen it work. I've seen it work at the highest office in 2008, yeah, I think it was 2008 or 2009, I wrote the president of the United States. I wrote um, his wife, the vice president. I wrote the speaker of the house. I wrote, I wrote so many people because I was in need of help because I was not being heard at the lower levels here in my in my um, state. And I got a letter back within two weeks. I have been writing legislators since I was 20. And I remember it was um it was a shock that I received a letter. And back then it was Senator Barbara Boxer who I wrote because I had an issue on the military installation I was stationed at. And it was incredible to know that I was actually heard, that somebody had taken the time to help me out. And my issue was solved because this person intervened on my behalf. And I have done it at the very lowest level. I have, I mean, even in PTA, even at the school site councils, which not all schools have, but the school site councils is... A, a pretty much like a committee it's a council i mean of made up of different people the principal some teachers community members parents um and staff and they gather once a month and they decide on how to spend that school year's budget and how to address certain issues so if you have a parent organization at your school and maybe you're not a member of it, an official seat holder this year, um, attend the meetings anyway. You can still be part of that by attending, by, by even reading the minutes online. You can always call the school and ask for the min minutes for the last PTA meeting or for the last school site council meeting, for the last ELAC meeting, for the last uh, African-American parent committee meeting, whatever parent committee meeting or council they have or school board meeting they have you have the right to ask for the minutes where it should show everything that was just that was discussed and decided 
and uh, sometimes even what they plan on discussing the next meeting. So I think I've provided enough information for you to kind of get an idea of the importance of speaking up and how you can get involved. Um, don't underestimate the power of volunteers. I mean, they are incredible. They have sometimes even saved schools from um, falling to the wayside because they see the importance of what's needed. They share ideas, they implement plans, and they help schools improve. So whether you're volunteering from home or at the school, um, don't underestimate the value of that. I appreciate you. And I know that a lot of other people appreciate you, even if we don't know you personally, because you are making a difference. And what is most beautiful about parent involvement or community involvement is that when kids see you speaking up for them, they feel valued. There is something so beautiful and powerful when <clears throat> I used to go to the school and help monitor kids during recess or when I would help pass out lunches for like a certain event or when I just helped by providing ideas on how to approach a certain event coming up, even the darn, what is it called, the uh, trunk or treats. Kids feel so proud of their parents who are involved. It's really, really beautiful. And that is a way of also showing love for your children. Even the your children's friends will appreciate it. And they'll think, wow, this is so cool that this person's doing this for us. So keep that in mind. If you were a child whose parent was always volunteering, just go back to that memory. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't one of those kids. My mom had no idea about volunteer work, about you know how to get involved. Um, but her situation was a lot different. It was more like, let's get on survival mode and let me, you know, uh, make sure that my kids are fed and that they have a home, you know, shelter and all that and safety. So when I said in the past, you know, during this conversation that some people don't have the luxury to be involved, that's what I mean. Like, that's one of many examples of what parents are going through. So don't judge the parents that are not involved because you know you don't know what their situation is. And even if they are able to, but they're too scared, don't judge because you have no idea what traumas they have. You have no idea what they've been through. So instead, let's show them because when we show parents that there are possibilities, that fear starts to go away and the, the courage starts to come in. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that you took something out of this. Share this with a parent that doesn't know how to get involved or doesn't know that they have a power in their voice. Empower them with this episode. Um, and let me know if you have any questions. Post them in the comments below. And if you don't feel comfortable asking a question there or telling me about what you thought about this, remember that you can always email me at info at dollytalks.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Hey, did you like that episode? 
If you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you may be listening and write a review. If you want more tips or some behind-the-scenes videos, make sure to follow my mom at Dolly Talks on Instagram. You can turn on notifications for her posts and stories as well. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. See you next time. Hey, did you like that episode? If you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you may be listening and write a review. If you want more tips or some behind-the-scenes videos, make sure to follow my mom at Dolly Talks on Instagram. You can turn on notifications for her posts and stories as well. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. See you next time.